This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Today is Trinity Sunday, and unlike any of the other feast days of the year, it focuses on an idea. All of the other feasts of the year, Easter, Christmas, Pentecost, focus on an event, an action, something that happened in the life of Jesus. But Trinity Sunday is when we're invited to try to wrap our minds around a fundamental question, which is, what is God like as God is in God's self? Is that a complicated enough sentence? It's so complicated, it took us about 400 years to begin to articulate what we actually think about God as God is in God's self. But in reality, it's 5,000 years of religious tradition that has been trying to wrap its brain around this fundamental question. Who is God? And what is God like? And how do we relate to this God? And so we have the, if you would take a long Sunday afternoon and go do some research on the history of Trinitarian doctrine, you'll discover that it starts with the very beginning in the book of Genesis when God says, let us create human beings in our image. And it makes us pause and say, who's our, who's, who's the we that's talking here? So there must be some multi, multi-presence in the nature of God. And then just follow it through much of Hebrew scripture, through Proverbs in particular, and then into Christian scripture, and particularly landing on this passage out of the gospel according to John that we heard today, where Jesus specifically names God as Father, specifically names himself as Son, and then speaks about the coming of a spirit, the spirit who will lead us into all truth. And so we get this sense that there's three facets to the nature of God, And yet, God is one. And then it took from the resurrection to Jesus until until like 381 before we finally came up with and were settled on the the Trinitarian language that we are familiar with today. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet, that even by itself causes us a little bit of a dilemma And in my entire lifetime as a priest, we've been wrestling with this question, how do you say this in a way that is not bound to gender? How do you say what the nature of God is like without it having to be Father, Son, and Spirit? And is the Spirit gendered? So we've tried lots of things. We could switch it entirely on its head. We could say God is mother, daughter, Holy Spirit, works, same thing actually except it's the same dilemma. It still has gendered God in one particular direction, and it sort of puts boundaries around the nature of God that's so, surely God is larger than that. And then in my, in the last, say the, the 90s and the teens, we worked with God, the creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. And so we say that out loud enough times, and what we're saying is actually true. God does create, God does redeem, God does sanctify, but that's not a substitute for 
the nature of God. Those are activities that God does. And then we just go back and study a little more and remember, oh yeah, back in the third century, that was called modalism. It was God behaving in three ways, not God as three persons. And so we're left with this, I don't know, it's kind of a Christian imponderable. You know a Buddhist imponderable? It's a philosophical question that is asked that doesn't actually have a direct answer. And so it allows you to reflect on that question and move in to a meditative state. The most well-known one is, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Well, this is sort of the Christian version of that. Who is God in God's self? How do we say God is three and yet one at the same time? What we find is that we actually have hit the boundaries of human language to describe the true nature of God. That's actually good news, isn't it? I mean, it's good news to think that our God is bigger than our ability to describe and our ability to articulate. Well, that makes what we're talking about God. Because if in fact we could articulate it perfectly, now it is no longer God, what we're talking about. Because it's beyond what we know. So then the question might be, why are we even talking about this? <laughs> this is just a big waste of time. It's some sort of intellectual exercise. But it's not. Because it, by trying to grapple with what is the nature of God and coming to this place that, that the Christian tradition has been for 1,600 years, that it's this Trinitarian image of God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit, three distinct persons and yet one thing teaches us a fundamental truth that Christians have believed and experienced about God for this whole time. And it is that God is in relationship. That God's very identity is relationship. That God is not alone alone. That God is one Father, Son, Holy Spirit in a relationship. And that these three identities of God are constantly moving and constantly present at all times. God is creating, God is redeeming, God is sanctifying, all three present at the same time. This divine, beautiful relationship that is marked by this intimacy and love that spills out into all creation. This is what we say is true about God, is that God at God's core is a relationship. So what are the implications of that for us as believers in this God? As I mentioned last week in my sermon, we have just had the great pleasure of hosting six friends from the Anglican Diocese of Southern Malawi. And they've just gone home and we're still kind of basking in the glow of that. But on that trip, within the second or second week, I was able to sit late in the evening with one of the priests, Father Rafael, who is the rector in Mendanti, which is a village where we're doing a lot of work with water and, and the medical clinic. And so we got to sit and talk and we've, I've been in, been in Malawi now six weeks total and he'd been in the States for a couple of weeks. So we were kind of digging into the culture, sort of the things that are similar and things that are different about our culture. And one of the things that he was very touched by was how involved St. David's is in caring for 
our homeless neighbors and how involved the cathedral is in Houston in caring for our homeless neighbors and how Episcopal Health Foundation is involved in so much work with people who would otherwise be utterly disconnected from the culture. And he said, and he said it, it reminds me of this. He said in Malawi, in the villages in particular, in the rural villages, the, most, the poorest and most isolated groups of people in Malawi, there is a, a well-known cultural reality, which is I am because you are. I am because you are. And it comes in different African languages. I believe Archbishop Desmond Tutu brought it to us as Umbutu, which is a different language in Checheo. It's another word which has escaped me. But it is I am because you are. He said in the village, it lives out in very concrete ways like this. He said, if I need to go to my garden, which is not where I live, I go to my neighbor's house. I say, I must go to my garden. I will be back in three days. And my neighbor has just agreed to watch my children and to make sure that they are fed and that they have water and that they are safe. The poorest people in this country will still take on this moral obligation to care for someone else's children while they go to tend to things they need to tend to for their family. It's not even a request. It's just a statement. I must go to my garden. And the understanding is, I am because you are. And I said, well, in the States, we would go ask somebody. <laughs> we would say, hey, can my kids come hang out with you? And they would say, yes, because we are connected to one another. So we too have this sense of, I am because you are. This is powerful and important, and it is at the core of the very identity of the God we worship. I wonder, I wonder what happens if we bring this notion of I am because you are to the table as we as a culture wrestle with the most pressing social concerns of our day. You think about it, we as Americans, when we start to try to answer questions about what should happen and what the laws should be, we start from a place of individual liberty. This is a very important principle for us. But what if we as a church brought a different starting place? What if we check our individual liberty inside another place, which is, I am because you are. That we are related to each other. We are connected to one another. And so the final answer can't just be, what am I personally allowed to do? But what is good for us? What works because I am, because you are? How does that change the conversation? How does that change perhaps the results? Now, right now we have a very concrete opportunity to practice I am because you are at St. David's. As you know, about three years ago, we did a big capital campaign. We raised over $5 million to give this old girl the facelift that she desperately needs. Not just a facelift. It's foundation, it's ceiling, it's all the things that keep this beautiful church up. And we are ready to start construction. That construction will begin on August the 8th. August 7th will be our last worship service in Historic for 10 or 11 months. We are going to move into Bethel Hall. 
top over everybody's cheese and we're all going to do something different while this church gets the love she needs. It's been three years since we raised that money with all the delays and supply chain, yada, yada, yada. You know what's coming next. We need more money. <laughs> it's not enough money to do the work that we had planned to do. So we've embarked on another smaller capital campaign called the Continuation Campaign. We're going to try to raise another million dollars. It's the worst kept secret at St. David's. We've been calling people, talking now for several months, and we're, we're now over $600,000 already committed to this extra million. We need about $375,000 more dollars. So we're going to ask you to help with that. You're going to get some mail from us. You'll get a phone call and, and an email. And we just want you to consider how you might participate in that so that we can get this work done without putting the future in some sort of heavy debt. This is a very concrete place where we get to practice what we actually believe is true about God that we are in relationship with each other and we need to be together. I am because you are, you are because I am. And we are, and we know that this church needs to be here. And it doesn't just need to be here because it's beautiful and it's old and it's on historic registry. It needs to be here because we have a story to tell. We have a story to tell about a God who is simultaneously one and three. God who is creating and redeeming and sanctifying. God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God who is Mother, Daughter, Holy Spirit. God who is in relationship, calling the world into relationship. We need to tell that story. As our forebearers did who built this building in the first place, they did it with each other and they did it for the future. The future is because we are. And that is our work to do together. I am because you are. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.